0: Bismillah ar-Rahman Alhamdulillahi wa kafa Wa salatu wa salamu ala al-Mustafa Alhamdulillahi munshi al-Khalqi min adami Sibha al-Salaatu walal-Mukhtari fi al-Qidami Mawlaa yasalli wa sallim daiman abadan Ala habibika khayri al-Khalqi kullihimi My dear and most respected friends No talk, no bayan, no address Should ever begin without talking about the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than any individual. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than any country. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than the entire universe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-malik, the master. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al Razak, the sustainer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the giver of life and the giver of death. If sickness comes, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If cure comes, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person is enjoying youth, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person is experiencing prosperity in their business, good things in their business, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person is being tested, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is the most current and the most valid topic Of any Muslim. That every condition comes down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I'm here in a particular place, and I receive my sustenance, it was not because I was very clever or very smart. It was not because the place gave me security, the place gave me money, the place gave me strength and ability to do my business, or my work, or my trade. It was because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote my risk, my sustenance in a particular place. If I came to a particular place and I ended up being unwell, it was not because of the place, it was not because of the company, it was not because of anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the giver of sickness... Made me sick in that particular place and it is Allah who is a Shafi who will grant me cure when and will, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so wills. This is our yaqeen on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His names. That everything is from Allah. The night, the day. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about His greatness over and over again in the Quran. We have come here for salah when it was just about daytime going into nighttime. When you arrived, say for maghrib salah, it was a little bit light outside. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, Tell me, do you think that if there was anyone that gave you day forever, Sarmadan, day forever, And that day had to carry on and on and on. And you wanted to sleep, you wanted to rest. But the light that was coming through your window, the light and the whole environment, because people are generally active when there is light outside. You hear birds, you hear animals, you hear people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that who is going to bring you the night except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the other side, if Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you know that when daybreak comes and you enjoy a new day and you are able to wake up and it's Fajr time and you leave the masjid and it's about Ishraq time and you see the new day breaking, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if Allah ta'ala gave you night forever and everything was silent and everything was still. And most people would not be able to do their work, because there's many types of activities that require the sun and the sunlight to do it safely. Farming, agriculture, many types of professions, they rely on the light, they can't just work with a torch all the time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that if that had to be the case, who will bring that daybreak, who will bring that day, illallah except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we look around, We don't just look at, look at it as five o'clock, half past five, six o'clock. We don't just look at it as, you know, summer time, winter time. It's June, July, so the days must be very short and the nights must be very long. But rather all of these phenomena, all of these events take us to the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That our light is from you. That I see you in each and every single one of these things. I see your greatness in me growing, in me being tested. Everything is from you, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the wisdom in what is happening right now is in your hands, O Allah. That if somebody close to me, is doing well, it's because of you, O Allah. If somebody close to me is unwell or has passed away, somebody who is dear to me is no longer there, it is because of you, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you have the ultimate wisdom and reason, and I do not question your reason. And then after a Muslim continues to remind themselves, of this greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over and over again, a Muslim appreciates one important thing about their life and their existence. And that is that they have got the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to fall back on. That you ask every other nation in the world, has anybody senior told you how to go to the bathroom, to the toilet? They will tell you no. It's not in our holy book. We don't recall any wise man or any prophet telling us that particular thing. Did anybody tell you exactly how to eat? Which fingers to use? What to say before? How to clean the plate? Which type of foods you should go towards in the interest of your health? Did anybody tell you, no, it's not there. But look at us Muslims, that when a person now enters their house, there is a Sunnah method of entry of exit. Leave alone your house, leave alone the masjid. You are climbing up a flight of stairs. What to say upon your ascent? What to say upon your descent going down? You are driving somewhere. When you embark your vehicle and when you come off your vehicle, when you stop at a rest camp somewhere, what to say somewhere in the middle for that matter? What to recite at that point in time? What to do at the time of drinking water? What to do at the time of drinking milk? What to do when it's a hot day, when it's a rainy day, when it is a windy day? Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has given us the pristine sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam which every muslim needs to hold high and say that i am unique not because i am a special person not because i'm a very good student not because i'm a very good son not because i'm a very good sports person but i am unique because i have got a lifestyle in front of me that is the very best of lifestyles, and that is the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu Alaihi which every single Muslim must aspire to follow to the best of their ability. And even if they can't, they must admit that it is my weakness that I can't follow it to the T. The sunnah is the very best, but it is my weakness that my inability does not allow me to do this or that or whatever the case may be, but it will always be the best. And a person who relives the sunnah, who revives the sunnah, a single sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it is as if he receives the reward of 100 shuhada, 100 martyrs. You know why? Because a person who relives the sunnah, let's say there's a young man who's on a campus somewhere, and the sunnah of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is to wear the amama is to wear a particular type of thobe or dress that is associated with being connected to the sunnah of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam or to sit on the floor and take one's meals and everybody else is not doing it they have their own culture but this individual here chooses to do so it's obvious that not every per- person is going to understand what they are doing right now. There will be a few who will appreciate it. There will be many who will mock and taunt at it because of the lack of their understanding. The shaheed, the martyr on the battlefield died and passed away once. He got his reward once. But that person in a time of fitna and fasad, holding on, in a time of corruption, holding on to the sunnah of Rasulullah Wasallam is potentially dying every day and that death is not a physical death that death is somebody mocking them, somebody taunting them, somebody making a comment in society. Which we are human beings. At the end of the day, we will respond, if not on the surface, but it will feel, we will feel it inside. And that martyr passed away once, but the person holding on to the sunnah in a difficult environment, it is as if that person is passing away again and again and feeling the pain again and again. Who knows for how? many years ahead of them you know ahead of them because of their insistence and association and will to hold on to the sunnah of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam which in its own right my respected friends my respected young folks is the very best lifestyle possible it is that lifestyle that will make a person who's a hardcore prisoner, a criminal, it will make him into a person who is an upright citizen. You know, for many years, I was uh, imam in, uh, is a place called Inglewood, it's in Los Angeles, California. And it's a mixed suburb, sort of like Overport, you have all types of people living there. You'll obviously have Muslims and non-Muslims living there as well and even amongst the muslim community you have all types of people because it has mixed type of accommodation and housing you have students you have people who uh, are in the you know less affordable or the you know or the affordable type of accommodation because of uh, them un- being unable to secure jobs etc then you will have a bit of a middle class group of people individual you know those type of individuals What happens is that after every Friday, right, many of us come, have been to the masjid on a Friday. You come here on a Friday, generally what happens, your imam will give a talk, then there'll be the salah, and then you make salam, you read your sunnah, and you go and have your dal and rice after that, right, and now it's over. Or you go back to school, if it's still a school type of a time, or if it's on holiday, you'll go back home, maybe sleep and wake up at about 2, 3 o'clock, or whatever the case may be. In those parts of the world, it's slightly different in the sense that Friday is the day that many type of activities that we are not used to so much here happen on a Friday. So for example, if a person is taking his Islam and shahadat, as we call it, becoming a Muslim, with all likelihood, whoever has been talking to that person about becoming a Muslim will bring to the person, you know, to the masjid on a Friday. They will bring them when? On a Friday. And though they may have reverted to Islam on a Monday, Tuesday, just to introduce them to the community, that you know what, we've got a new Muslim brother here, or a new Muslim family here, the name of that person will be taken, and that person will be introduced, and he will maybe once again be told to recite his shahada, which is a very important thing for the community, because it shows them, alhamdulillah, that one individual has come towards deen. It's also established amongst the Sahaba رضي anhum in the victory of Iskandariah Alexandria. That when they had surrounded the fort of Alexandria and the, the, the siege had now lasted for a couple of days, after they want, when, when when the people who were in that fort, the non-Muslims, who they were fighting against, when they now wanted to break the siege, what did the Muslim general tell them? seems to be, according to my recollection, Rabbil Allah. One, what did he tell them? That you know what, whoever is a Muslim amongst you, or whoever wants to come over to our side, give him the liberty to do so. And whoever now from our side amongst the prisoners who want to go back to you and be a, you know, a not Muslim like, you know, like you people, we will give him the ability to do so. Because it seems amongst y'all, y'all have got a number of crypto-Muslims as well, who do not want to expose that they're Muslims, but will prefer to be on our side. So the narrator says, they stood on the forts, on the, on the walls of the forts, and we stood on the ground. There was no fighting, it was sort of like a truce. Fighting will stop for this point in time. And one by one, people, especially the prisoners, were given the opportunity or the chance. That listen here, do you want to go to them or do you want to stay with the Muslims? The narrator says that whenever one of our prisoners, when he chose Islam, Kabarna, we made a big takbir, Allahu Akbar. At the top of our voice, farihna farhan shadidan, And we became very happy at the choice of this person. And when one of our prisoners chose to go to the other side, obviously which were not Muslim, حَزَنَّا that we became sad as if we lost our own soul, we lost our own brother, even though we didn't even know this person here. Why? Because that is the quality of a Muslim. A quality of of a Muslim Islam demands that when a person accepts Islam and comes into deen, it's not only a momentous occasion for that person. But it is a momentous occasion, a joyous occasion for the entire ummah. That the ummah is increasing. One more person recited the shahada. One more person with the potential to be saved from the fire of Jahannam through the medium of the shahada. And when a person makes another choice, the grief must be felt by everybody as well. So as I was saying, that you know, if a person accepted Islam even during the week, they'll bring him there. And then now after Jummah is over, after the Imam, me or anybody else, makes a salam, we will now say that, listen here, so and so, brother, uh, brother Martin Williams, who is now Ismail, has accepted Iman and Islam, and we will be welcomed with the chorus of Allahu Akbar by everybody else, who is showing and expressing joy, that this particular person, alhamdulillah, now accepted Iman and Islam. What happens after that? Right when all of that particular event is over, you have another group of people who come to the imam, not always, but quite often. These are people who are on parole. Most of them, accepted Islam in prison, they are currently on parole, and they will come to the imam with a form. Because generally the masjid is going to be out of their homes. While they're on parole... They are supposed to be at home, or they can only move within a hundred meters of their house. And all of them are sitting with a big band, you know, that, uh, that, 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 that ankle band on their, on their foot, that that thing is now beeping green, 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 which means that it is currently off because he has got a one-hour permission to come to the masjid, which is a few miles away from his house. So this is what he normally does. You know what, he goes to his parole officer during the week and says, Listen here man, I need to go for Jummah prayers. All the other salah I can read at home because I'm technically still in prison. You've got this anklet here around my, my foot that's now going to go off. But Friday now I can't read it there by myself. So I need to come to the masjid. And which is his closest masjid? Well, it'll very likely it will be somewhere like Inglewood for that matter. But they're not going to let him go like that, because how do they know who he's associating with at that place? So it all depends upon what type of parolee he is. If he is now a parolee of a high level, he's out because, or he was convicted because of maybe murder, first degree, second degree, third degree, the parole officer is going to come with him. And you're going to have one chair at the back of the masjid for the parole officer. And the parole officer is going to look and see, and is going to have a hawk eye on him, that this particular fellow here is actually here for prayers, for salah, and he's not here for anything else. Then if he's like a slightly lower tier type of person, auto theft, something of that nature, drug peddlers or something like that, well he's not going to come with his parole officer, but the parole officer is now going to come with a big form and you as the imam are going to fill out that form there after juma salah sign your name put your contact number put the seal of the masjid over there like how you put a uh, you know you seal an official document hand it back to him because now this is his permission for that 1 2 hours or so to come out of his parole area so now they would come to the office normally, right? You know, to do this here. Because now who now wants to show that, you know what, I'm on parole. As it is, he's trying his best to wear slightly long chinos to cover up his anklet over there. He doesn't want to see, if, nobody must see the thing is beeping, beeping, beeping. So as a result, he'll come to the office. And I always take an opportunity, or would take an opportunity to ask them, listen here brother, where you accepted Islam? Oh, I accepted Islam in the prison. I mean, what was your past and what is your now? Your form shows that you were in for, for assault. What, who you hit? I mean, you, you seem to be a very mild fellow here in the masjid. You're wearing a nice kurta. You seem to be well, you know, had a bath and you came to the masjid and you seem to be all civilized over here. I don't think that you are, could hit even a fly for that matter. How come you, you went in for 12 years now? Who did you assault? And you'll be surprised what type of answers the individual gives at that point in time. He says, you know what, Imam, I assaulted a person because he took $5 away from me 17 years ago, right? Or 12 years ago. And I went to trial for that and this person survived, but he will never be normal because he took away what belongs to me. He took away what belongs to me, but little did I realize that I took away what actually belonged to me by my own 12 years spending time inside that prison. But there was a plan for me that when I went inside, that when I went inside, there were a group of people who would come and visit us every week for that matter. Some of them were outsiders, some of them were prisoners. And they would go to cell to cell and talk about the greatness of God, the greatness of Allah. You know who these people are? This is the out jamaat of the in-prisoners and those who are coming from outside, outside and in gush mixing together, walking the cells of the prison, talking to the prisoners. So Imam, when they came to my cell, I saw like a light and a vision in front of me. And I realized how greedy I was to be inside the cell to begin with. You know, on one occasion, on the first round about 2006-2007, the guy comes with his parole officer. And the parole officer is there watching, watching this particular person. And after that, this person comes to sign his form, and he disappears. He goes to another city, he's relocated somewhere else. After three years, the parole officer comes to the masjid as a musalli. He says, Imam, you recognize me. He said, no, I can't recognize you. He said, no, I was a parole officer. He said, every week a parole officer visits over here. Which one were you? He says, no, I came with this prisoner, and I sat in the masjid, and I came the following week, and the following week when I had no prisoner. Because that particular prisoner, while driving him to and fro, not only your masjid, all different masjids, continued to talk to me about Islam. The prisoner is giving the parole officer Dawud. The, the prisoner is giving the parole officer Dawud. So after one and a half years of listening to all these prisoners here, who had now continuously, uh, you know, been convicted of crimes, but had come to the masjid, and I am driving them around, I am here as a Muslim. I am here as a Muslim myself. This is the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That nobody knows where and when. Hidayat and guidance is written for them. And it is all in the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yusuf alayhi salatu wa salam. Could he have ever planned as a young man, that I am going to be in prison? Two people come to him in that prison, both of them see a dream. Could they have ever planned that in that prison we are now going to meet a man called Yusuf? And he is going to call us towards Iman and Islam. And he is going to be a model citizen, a model Muslim, a Nabi in the bowels of that very prison where normally the rough of the rough and the degenerate of society goes to. But he is going to be an exemplary individual in the middle of that entire you know, humanity, community over there. Could they have ever planned it? No. We do not know what tomorrow is planned for. But what we can do and what's within our control is Rajam in Allah. Continuing to be hopeful on the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, oh Allah, that you have promised guidance. You have promised the best for that individual who desires the best. For that individual who wants to be righteous. For that individual who wants to turn towards deen. For that individual who wants to perform their salah. You promised that you will make a way out for everybody under each and every single circumstance. You know, people sometimes create the excuse... That we cannot practice deen because the environment we are living in is not conducive. That excuse is not valid for a Muslim. Because it is the first priority and demand of being a Muslim is that you work towards making the environment conducive. In Makkah al-Mukarramah, for the first stay of Rasulullah wasallam as a Nabi for the first 12 to 13 years, Makkah was the most anti-non-conducive environment for a Muslim on the planet at that point in time. And if a person can't understand that, well look at Bilal Rabiallah one with the boulder on his chest. Ahad, Ahad, the one Allah, the one Allah. Look at khabbab Rabbiallah one who says in a khabbab Rabbiallah one years later. When Umar bin Khattab Radiallah one would now speak of the sacrifices of the various sahaba, Radiallawan, and he would say, ila ammar? don't you see Ammar, and don't you see his father Yasir that they were tortured for the sake of Deen. Khabbab Radiallahu says, Ya Amir al look at my back. Look at my back. And he takes off his shirt and he shows him his back. And that back, Umar Radiallahu looks at A back that where the skin and the flesh and the blood and the sinew and the tendons and everything that holds your meat together is melted and gone. With only the bones and the burnt-out skin covering those bones, what we would call third, fourth, whatever degree type of burns beyond even recognition, just to keep the man alive. And he says that, Ya Amir al muminin no doubt Bilal has his story, Ammar had his story, all of them there, but this is mine. That my master, you know, his master was a lady, and he was what is called a, a metic in society that he had come from somewhere else but he had a skill, so as a result they indentured his labor. They used to give him a sum, and they used to keep a sum out of protecting him and looking after him. Nonetheless, Khabab r.a wasn't a citizen of Makkatul al-Mukarramah. He was just as good as a person who would be a slave in the rank of their society. So therefore when they tortured him. They had no thoughts of tomorrow. He's just another number for us. So they, he says that when the day's work would end, they would now take out the very same coal and charcoal from the smeltering furnace. He was a blacksmith. And a blacksmith uses those smeltering furnaces to soften the horseshoe and the iron rods and what have you to make it nice and hot so that he can take his hammer and he can bang it into shape. He says that when that was done, the coal and the residue from those ovens were put on the ground. And I was dragged on it until the blood and the fat and the sinew pouring from my body will now extinguish the flame that was there on the ground. And now the flame ended not because anybody came and poured water, but the liquids to extinguish the flame came out of my body. This was my sacrifice, khabbab رضي الله But he knew that the day will come that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make this deen high. Because it is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this deen will continue to remain high. When Rasulullah Wasallam returns from one of his expeditions, as his custom, he goes to the house of Fatima Anha. Fatima Anha greets her father. Rasulullah wasallam kisses him on the forehead and on the eyes. And then she starts to cry. And says, oh my father, that look at you. Your clothes have become tattered and torn. Your color is drained from its face. Because you have been, you know so much exertion of out in the part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you've been traveling so far, you've been traveling in the heat of the desert, why don't you stay, you have got deputies, you have got all different people, who will now take on the mantle of doing the work that you did. What did Rasulullah Wasallam respond to her by saying, لَا يَبَقَى على ظَهْرِ ard, They will not remain on the surface of the earth a house made of baked bricks, a house made of unbaked bricks, a house made of tent, a house made of wool, a house made of whatever material, except the day will come that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will enter His deen into that house, izzan أو ذُلَّنَ out of honor for the people who are inside, or if initially those people will have to be pulled, pulled by the neck, the time will come that they will be pulled by the the neck, but the deen will enter that house. That's the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the promise of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the question is this, and the question is valid for you, for I, for our children, for our woman folk at home, for our mothers and sisters, for our wives at home. The question is valid for every one of them, us in this society, in this time. Then what is my role in the promise of Allah? What is my role in the promise of my Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam? If my Nabi said the Deen is going to enter every house. What is my role in that particular activity? Where is my effort? Where is my time? Where is my resources? Where is my well-being? Where is my investment? Inside that promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For whoever invests will be regarded as being part of the activity, part of the action itself. You know, I think there was like a, like a small flyer or a poster made for this program here, which started off with a very, very important advice, which is part of a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, wherein Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, seven people will be accommodated under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Yawmul Qiyamah. On the Yawmul Qiyamah, where people will be drowning in their perspiration. Difficult for us to understand, right? That how can a person drown in their own sweat? But that will exactly be the case on the Yomul Qiyama. That such will be the heat of that day. That you will have people, some of them, up to their ankles. Some of them up to their hips some of them up to their chests some of them up to the middle of their throats were ba'dhum rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says some of them will be bridled you know what's a bridle you know a horse an animal that you ride it has a bridle and a rein inside its mouth where does it sit it sits right in the mouth cutting the mouth in half one on the upper side one on the lower side for youtube steer that particular horse or that particular animal, right? Rasulullah Wasallam says, some people will be bridled with it. In other words, like how a person who's treading water, that for the first time you landed in the deep end, and you got caught halfway, you thought you could make it, but you realize, you know what, three caught away, I can't make it. So what you did is that you went once again in this direction, as if you're standing up, only to find that only the bottom of your toe is touching the bottom of that pool. So you're bobbing up and down, bobbing up and down, until you get some energy to come to the edge of the pool once again. Some people like that on the Yawmul Qiyamah, bridled with their perspiration on that particular day. And then Rasulullah Wasallam says, there are certain people, who will have no worries on that day. There are certain people who will be comfortable under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne on that day. And one of them (laughs) shabun nasha fi ibadatillah <laughs> a young man who grew up in the worship of allah subhanahu wa taala look at the words of our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam not just a young man who was in the ibadat of allah who read his salah but a young man who grew up in the worship of allah growing up let's say a person grew up right he was like 9 10 years old grew up became 17 18 was it only the the job of that person to grow up, or were there other people also responsible for that person? With all likelihood, his parents were responsible. Somebody was there for him. Teachers were there for him. Society was there for him. The ustad and the teacher was, the, you know, was there for him. People were there for him to grow him up. This is an indication that no ordinary man or young man, but a person who now was part of a society that grew the individual up in the name, in the ibadat, in the recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person will be shown accommodation under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne on the yawmul qiyamah. Every one of us has the opportunity to be in this category. Every one of us qualifies to be in this category, especially if you are a young man who now realizes that I've got many temptations in front of me. I've got many wishes and desires in front of me that life is calling, a holiday is calling, making some money is also calling. A good days and a good night's sleep is also calling. For me to become the best gamester is also calling. For me to excel in a particular field is also calling. Sports or otherwise. But at the same time realizes that all of the legitimate permissible desires are there. But there is one field that I must excel in. There is one feel that I cannot compromise excelling in and that is being a good, righteous Muslim. And that is maintaining the identity of being a good, righteous Muslim which I cannot under any circumstances compromise and which is part of my life, part of my identity. Now how does a person do that? How does a person do that? It's very easy to say that, you know what, I wish to remain as a Muslim, die as a Muslim, live my life as a Muslim. It's very easy to say that, but it will not happen unless one important ingredient, one important lifestyle changes for every one of us. And that is what? And that is that we remain in the company of Muslims we remain in the company of those who say la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah we remain in the company of the masjid we remain in the company of those who will teach us the correct way so that when our turn comes we will not only know the correct way but we will now encourage other people to also remember allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the same time where does a person learn this a person learns this when they go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they go for three days, ten days, forty days, out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wherein they stay in the environment of deen. Wherein the sunnah, which is the protection of every Muslim, is not only taught to them, but they live in the environment of deen, and that's when they come back as a different person. Different not in the sense they're going to have a new name, they'll have the same name, they'll have the same job, they'll have the same description as being a student, they will have the same courses that they may be doing at school, all of that they will remain the same. But you know what will be different? With the will and the decree of Allah, what will be different? The attitude will be different. The mindset will be different. Knowing that if I've got to eat, I've still got to eat when I come back home. But the method of my eating must be in conformity to my Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I still have to use the bathroom, the toilet when I'm back home. But the difference will be that now I know what is the correct sunnah method of me doing that particular activity. The, the, it will still be the same. You'll interact with the same family members. But now you know what is the right of a mother, what is the right of an aunt, what is the right of a senior, how to respect and honor and you know, uh, give kindness to that person who's a junior. All of this is taught in the halaqa, in the gathering, when we are out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for an extended period of time. My respected brothers, youngs, youngsters, oldsters, wherever you are, who's ready inshallah? Who's ready to give some time out in the part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this holiday here right now as soon as possible? Who's ready? Come brothers, mashallah. Youngsters, seniors, juniors, everybody. It's now a time to go out in the path of Allah. Exams are either finished or nearly finishing. This is the last week now of the term. Some people are going school, some people realize they don't have to go to school. Whatever the case may be, whatever is your position, but you know that in the next couple of days by this weekend, I'm ready to give some time in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever it may be. Who's ready? Inshallah, Allah ta'ala accept inshallah. MashaAllah, come brothers inshaAllah. MashaAllah. Allah ta'ala accept inshaAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept your time, your ma'al, your energy, your youth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Come brothers inshaAllah. This is an important part of the real bayan. Standing up and giving time. Whoever is speaking here, you can listen to them for hours. You can get thrilled with their stories from all over the world for a long time. But this is now the crunch point. That where we are ready to give time out in the path of Allah, to experience deen. We can sit here and listen to deen. But come and experience deen out in the path of Allah. Who's ready? Stand up so that it can be written not just by the guy writing here, but by the malaika also. We've got malaika on either side, right and left. who will record our deen. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عقبه المتقين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين ربنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار اللهم اعنا لا ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رحمن الرحيم Ya Allah, You accept one of every one of us for the service of Deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, accept our time, accept our youth, accept our energy, accept whatever remains from our life for the service of Deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, accept us, accept our families, accept our children, accept our parents, Ya Allah. Accept them all, Ya Allah, for the service of Deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make every single one of us servants of this Deen, Ya Allah, to serve Deen far and wide, Ya Allah, in every capacity. Ya Allah, whoever is looking after any department of this deen, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, beat the ulama, beat the writers, beat the scribes, beat the imams, beat the khatibs, beat the teachers, Ya Allah, whoever it may be, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, you give them Jannah, you give them sincerity, and you accept their work, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us tawfiq, Ya Allah, to be the best of children to our parents, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our parents adore for our Jannah, Ya Allah. Make us serving them a means for our Jannah, Ya Allah. Make them never ever complain against us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, when our turn comes, Ya Allah, give us the children that will be the coolness of our eyes, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, that will be the servants of deen, that will be our means of Jannah as well. Ya Allah, when whatever you have given us by way of this dunya, give us tawfiq to spend it in your path, Ya Allah. Save us from the diseases of miserliness. Save us from the disease of laziness, Ya Allah. Allah. Save us from the disease of negligence, Ya Allah. Give us tawfiq to read our five times daily salah in jamaat, Ya Allah, in the house of Allah, in your house, Ya Allah, and accept our salah, Ya Allah. Give us the tawfiq to learn our deen, Ya Allah, so that we can perform it in the best possible way, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make us upright, righteous Muslims, Ya Allah, wherever we go, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, do not test us, Ya Allah, with our body, with our mind, with our money, ya Allah. Ya Allah, give us afia and protection. Ya Allah, if you choose to test us, ya Allah, grant us sabrun jameel in every department of our life, ya Allah. Ya Allah, those that are engaged in any permissible endeavor, Ya Allah, they are studying, Ya Allah, you make their studies easy for them, Ya Allah. They are becoming hafiz of the Qur'an, Ya Allah, you make their tahfiz, their memorization easy for them, Ya Allah. Those that are becoming ulama, you make their acquisition of ilm, Uh, easy for them, Ya Allah. Grant us all ikhlasun niyya and sincerity, Ya Allah. Make us servants of your deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, whoever has got any concerns, Ya Allah, whether it is money, whether it is family, whatever it may be, Ya Allah, relieve them of their concerns. Grant them risk and sustenance in the best possible way, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, whoever has got any issues in life, Ya Allah, you remove those issues, Ya Allah. Grant them halal and permissibility ya Allah. Grant them ease and comfort. Whoever is unwell who has got family members who are unwell, you grant them shifa kamila ya Allah. Whoever has passed away from amongst our near and dear ones, from amongst the ummah at large ya Allah. Grant them jannatul firdaus ya Allah. Ya Allah, whatever relationships in life we have ya Allah. Ya Allah, the permissible relationships ya Allah, you put love and mahabba inside there ya Allah. Put understanding inside the Ya Allah. Put shafiqah and rahma inside the Ya Allah. Wherever relatives, Ya Allah, are fighting and not seeing eye to eye, Ya Allah, you put muhabba in their lives, Ya Allah. Grant them tawfiq to come back together and to unite, Ya Allah. Unite the ummah wherever it is, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you help the ummah across the world. Help the ummah of Palestine, of Kashmir, of Burma, Ya Allah. You relieve them of their suffering and concerns, Ya Allah. Grant them peace, Ya Allah grant us all hidayat and guidance in every department of our life, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us hidayat, Ya Allah, so that our eyes see halal, our mind thinks of halal, Ya Allah. We go towards halal, Ya Allah, and keep everything that is haram far, far away from us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, accept the hajj of all those embarking on this journey of hajj, Ya Allah. You accept us to travel to the Baytullah over and over again, Ya Allah, and take us out in your part over and over again, ya Allah. Those that have traveled wide for this program, ya Allah. Take them home safely, ya Allah. Accept their coming, ya Allah. Make it a means of hidayat for them, ya Allah. Make it a means of hidayat for everyone, ya Allah. Let us not leave that we are deprived in any way of your Hidayat, Ya Allah. Whoever we come into contact with, Ya Allah, give them Hidayat as well, Ya Allah, and guide the entire Ummah, Ya Allah. Allahumma إِنَّ نَسْأَلُكَ الْهُدَى وَالتُقَى وَالْعَفَافَ وَالْغِنَامِ Allahumma أَلِف بَيْنَ كُلُوبِنَا وَأَصْلِحْ ذَاتَ بَيْنِنَا وانصرنا عَلَىٰ عَدُوِّنَا وَعَدُوِّكَ يَا barakatuhu wa سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ رَبِّ العزة barakatuhu يصفون وَسَلَامٌ عَلَىٰ الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ